Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. There is endless conversation about technology, software, and automation disrupting the accounting space. But do you ever feel like your systems are pretty much automated, where you can just show up at work and mouse click one button and it spits out all the reports and dashboards you need for your hundreds of clients? Yeah, no. If all that sounds like the dream, but you're a ways off, stay with us because today I am talking with Ryan Lazanis, founder of Future Firm, and we're talking about what to do right when it comes to tech and automation. Ryan founded Zen Accounting, which he grew to the point of being acquired in just five short years, thanks to the tech-oriented, scalable model he put in place. Ryan, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Geraldine, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. So let's start with a slow pitch here. How did you end up on the technology side of working with CPAs? I guess it came down to the fact that I, I started a firm in 2013. It was one of the earlier online accounting firms in North America. I started that firm because I felt that accounting was painful uh, for small businesses. I identified with the small business owner and I just wanted to provide an easier experience, provide more accessible accounting. So I started it from day one with Skype meetings and cloud accounting software, which today, uh, you know, tons of firms are using, but back then it wasn't, it was more of a novel idea and started developing a little bit of a reputation as a firm that was a little bit more technology forward and used more automation than most firms. And I personally love automation, technology, more disruptive business models. And uh, when I sold my firm in 2018, uh, I thought that I was actually going to start Future Firm as a technology consultant. And my first few mandates was actually analyzing a firm, uh, analyzing their processes, analyzing the technology being used, and providing you know lengthy reports with my recommendations on how to add more technology and add more automation and streamline processes further. So that's how I kind of got into technology in the first place when it came to accounting and how it evolved to me dealing with technology for accounting firms. But since then, my role with Future Firm has definitely evolved from there where I'm actually much less focused on the technology and automation side of things than I used to be. 
So in there, you mentioned lengthy reports and technology recommendations. And in the green room, you and I were talking about how what you've been finding in terms of technology needs. So can you elaborate on what you've been finding vis-a-vis old school firms and what shall we call them new school firms? And maybe first even start by delineating the kind of digital divide, if you will. Yeah, sure. So technology and automation definitely has its place in the world of accounting. I think some kind of firms, the more legacy-oriented firms, the old-school firms that are maybe paper-based, you know, all their software is desktop-based, tied to a physical location, I think they certainly need to move into the future and apply a lot more technology and automation into the mix. Now, the firms that were attracted to my kind of profile and the firms that were initial, that were coming to me for these technology consulting mandates were what I would consider modern firms. They were firms that have only been around for a few years. They were using you know, cloud accounting software like Xero or QuickBooks Online. They had 10, 20, 30 different apps already in place. You know, their team was working mostly remotely. Uh, they had implemented you know, different types of subscription pricing models. So they were ahead of the curve on a lot of the issues, but they were still coming to me for advice on how to streamline processes and use more technology. And I saw that these kind of firms already had more than enough technology in place. I was issuing these technology reports. I was helping them be a little bit more efficient, but they were still dealing with, you know, some of the issues that we spoke about in the green room, Geraldine, like they're, they're just too busy and adding more technology and more automation was really not the solution. So that's when I took a step back and said, well, what if they already have enough technology, if they're already using enough apps, if they already have decent levels of automation, uh, it's going to be an incremental increase just to add more technology, more automation. There's deeper problems in the business that need to be looked at. And that's when I kind of changed my approach for what I was doing in Future Firm, essentially. So I might have gone off on a few tangents there, but my view is actually there's an overemphasis of technology and automation among a subset of firms, which are uh, what I would consider those modern firms. There's an overemphasis on using technology and automation, and that's not what's really going to move the needle the most. Okay, so those there are two things in there, and I want to come back, of course, to what does move the needle. But before we get there, let's talk about how a firm can recognize if they have too much technology. What are the signs and symptoms they might be experiencing? I mean, one of the big signs is always jumping from shiny object to shiny object because these app vendors in the space, they're really good at what they do. They can get your attention really, really well. And they make these features look super attractive. And we're always testing these features and saying, oh, this would be really cool in my business. And, and yeah, I have a lot of fun with that stuff also. But how much of an impact are these new features or will this one app make at the end of the day for your business? That's kind of how I like to frame it. So you all, all often see these, um, I'm typically working with smaller firms and I often deal directly with the firm owner and they're just jumping around, shiny object to shiny object, app to app. What do you think about this? Hey, I heard about this feature. And I said, well, you already have an app very similar to that in place. Like, why are we moving away from that? Why are we moving away from like, the things that are really gonna move the needle in your business, the big priorities. So that's one of the things that I typically see with these kind of firms. 
Okay, chasing after shiny objects, trying a bunch of new software apps and zaps and things. Exactly. And and it doesn't really make a huge difference relative to the difference that could be made if focused on other things. Okay, so then let's go over to focusing on the other things. So what are you seeing that really does move the needle? So there's a couple things, but I think the big reason why people want to use more technology and more automation is because they just want to make their life easier. And they want that systematic, repeatable machine. That's what they aspire towards. But that can't be possible without certain levels of standardization in the business. So we have to look at standardizing the business model. It's like just applying all this technology is just going to make you busier and busier. So if we want to create a machine, technology is part of the solution, but it's not the full solution. So we have to standardize who you work with, standardize what you offer these clients, standardize your processes. You know, so these are just some of the elements that are, are going to be very important in helping move the needle. Once we standardize things, then we can apply technology, then we could apply more automation, then we can get closer to having that machine in place. But if we don't standardize, it's just the operations just going to come become more and more chaotic. So the thinking is like, my business is just takes up my entire work week. But maybe if I apply some technology and automation, that will fix things. But in fact, what you need to fix first is your systems narrow everything down, narrow what you're doing, who you do it for and document process size, and then apply automation. Correct. The more we standardize, the more of that machine we can create, the, the, the more we can kind of extract ourselves from the business and have something that's more repeatable and systematic. And, you know, you, you probably know it very well as you're working with firms, Geraldine, you know, when you ask a firm owner, you know, who they're targeting, they target just about every business out there, you know, small to mid-sized businesses, $0 in revenue to $50 million in revenue, zero employees to hundred employees. That's 99% of the businesses out there. They'll do whatever these businesses want, essentially. You know, so the, the client is dictating the service offer. The client is dictating how the work is being performed. So it's impossible to have that machine in place. And naturally, we're going to get busier and busier and busier. Uh, and the operations are just going to get more and more chaotic the more clients we add to the mix because there's no standardization whatsoever across the clients or across our service offers. So once we can standardize those two things and once we can have standard processes for everything that we do in the firm, that's when we can really reap the rewards of technology and automation. When you said in there, the client is dictating, it just made my heart scream because I see the same thing, of course. And I'm wondering, where do you meet the most resistance with your clients in terms of the three things we mentioned, you know, narrowing who you work with, narrowing what you do for them, standardizing the process. Where do you find meeting the most resistance? The first two, equally, because... You have to make the tough decision to reject clients. And what I help firms with is like select who you want to work with. And I'm not saying you have to go super, super narrow. You don't have to go on a specific industry, but you do have to segment the market in a particular way so that you're filtering out ones that really aren't within your firm's sweet spot. And then you have to put together what I'd call a productized service offer, basically package of services and features and you have to be selective for what you include in those packages. And some firms say, well, you know, I have a bunch of revenues from these kind of clients that 
you know, just want tax returns. I said, but yeah, but that's not really what you want. And that's not really something that's as uh, repeatable as you'd like it to be, as an example. So they have a hard time letting go of the fact that, well, what if I have an opportunity that comes my way for additional revenue, but it's maybe not within my sweet spot. So they just want to service everyone. I love this. It's really difficult to turn down new revenue that you know how much it's going to be, you're familiar with it, for the opportunity to create really high value revenue, like much bigger dollars, another zero, maybe two more zeros. And warding that off, if you will, for the time being for future returns, I also see resistance in a similar place. What do you hear from your clients when they get to the other side of this, of narrowing down who they work for, narrowing down what they do? What do they say once they're on the other side of the sort of transformation, if you will? Yeah, everything just becomes a lot easier because then you can get things into a routine much more quickly. You can sell that product or that package more easily. You can onboard the client more easily. Like as an example, in my early days of running my firm, I onboarded every kind of client. And I remember onboarding a winery, which was an awesome business, really cool to deal with, but none of us knew about wine tax reporting. None of us knew about the POS system required for, for a winery. None of us knew about inventory management for a winery, which is a disaster, like grape juice and all this kind of stuff. And it took six months to onboard with like all hands on deck. So you can't have a scalable model in place when it takes you months to onboard and understand the nuances of a client. So we need to get things into the routine as quickly as possible. So the transformation is everything happens much more easily. Everything can happen much more quickly and we can have a machine that's running in place. Not to mention the marketing is a lot easier as well because when you're marketing to 99% of the businesses out there, you're basically marketing to nobody. Uh, I feel like you're doing my own podcast episode for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> it's awesome. I hope you guys are listening. So let's say that a person gets through the who, they get through the what, and now they're into standardizing processes. What are some of the tools that turn out to actually move the needle that listeners should know about so that they stand out from the ones that, you know, perhaps offer incre only incremental gains? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to have anything groundbreaking for you here, unfortunately, Geraldine. But um, I think you mentioned one at the beginning of the episode, uh, which is providing a lot of flexibility, which is Zapier. I think Zapier is a great, uh, a great tool for providing, um, you know, good amounts of automation to connecting. You know, like I said, there's a lot of firms that are using 30, 40 different apps. So we have to connect those workflows together. A good practice management system like a carbon or something like that is obviously the cornerstone of it all. Not so much a tool, but I would recommend actually a person in your firm. When you're ready to really leverage automation, especially those modern firms that probably know about all those latest tools, but you need a person to help put it all together and to lead technology in the firm. So I think that's one thing a lot of these modern firms could look at is having a technology lead on your team. That's someone that I had very early on on my team. Uh, you know, I was under five employees still at that point. You know, I had hired a software engineer to handle leading technology, to research what's happening in the market, research the new apps, research the new features, train the team on the features, uh, but also 
deal with clients, understand their workflow issues, uh, translate that to the accounting team so that we're technologists plus accountants helping clients with their automation. But we also have someone helping us internally with our own automation, which could not only use apps like Zapier, but custom code solutions. So you're seeing a lot of these quasi tech startups, quasi accounting firms popping up, which have these kinds of people on the team. So not, I'm not really answering your question directly, but I'm saying I think that would be a good resource to have onto the team uh, for firms that want to be on the cutting edge of technology. Awesome. Okay, I want to pull on two things in there. Let's go back to Carbon for people who aren't aware of what Carbon is or what it does or what other tools might be like it. Tell everybody what Carbon is, what it does. Yeah, so Carbon is an accounting practice management software, which basically... It's your project management system. It's where you load up all your clients, all your tasks, all your deadlines, all your team is in there, and you're collaborating on work. Uh, so you're collaborating on tasks, collaborating on deadlines, and just making sure things are going out the door when they need it to go out the door. So Carbon is one of the most popular tools in the accounting world when it comes to practice management. I have a preference for teamwork. It's another tool, not accounting focused, but they have some functionality that doesn't exist in any of the other tools that I really required when I was running my firm. But yeah, a practice management system is like the number one app that a firm needs to have. And it, it, it's there's some automation capabilities in there, but it's mostly for organizing the firm and keeping everybody on the same page. So that's the number one most critical app, in my opinion. Yes, because um, what I hear a lot from my clients and listeners is, we have systems and processes in place, but they're sort of half-baked, like a wiggly banana bread, like you don't quite trust it yet. <laughs> it's sort of there, but they can't rely on it because there are holes in it, like little gaps, which means they can't, they can't look away. They've got to pay attention to it and baby it because they don't know where the gaps are, but they know that things fall through the cracks. So having something that manages a process as it moves through the system and as various people touch it makes uh, forces you to think through what your system is and then get it automated so that you can so things stop falling through the cracks and then you don't have to worry about it anymore so i do want to pick up the other thread which was a tech lead person you said something in there that made me wonder where i see this industry headed is very much having tech people on your team because i see cpas trying to research all these tech apps and zaps and stacks and they don't have time nor do they have the expertise frankly to may be making these evaluations trying to compare apples and oranges of whatever it is fathomed a you know live plan or plan guru i can't remember which and cash flow tools and grav and all the rest like who has time so not to mention once you make the decision implemented testing it and then getting it deployed across your team so that everybody on your team is using it. I mean, it's a huge, like that's an undertaking. The CPA, the firm, the partner, what I see is they don't have sufficient bandwidth and they end up getting a third of the way there and then dropping it because they're like, I can't, it's not up and running. And I just, I've put all these other things on the back burner for too long. I need to come back to what's on the back burner before it burns. So having a tech lead on your team, I'm hearing listeners going, but oh my God, but I'm a solo with one person. I, I can't hire a tech lead. So if you're too small to hire a tech lead, is there outsource tech lead? Or what size about do you need to be before you've got capacity to bring a tech lead on? It's a hard investment to make because it's not immediately revenue generating. 
It's something that will pay off in the long term. It's something that I think can give your firm a competitive advantage, but it's not immediately revenue generating. It's not like bringing on another bookkeeper or another accountant, right? So what size? I mean, uh, look, I, I think I was four or five employees at that point when I brought on a tech lead, which I think was still early, but I was happy at the time when I brought that kind of individual on. I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve in your firm as well. I think like some people are, you know, some firms are trying to custom code certain solutions for clients, you know, that might necessitate that kind of role earlier on, you know, you're, if, if the firm owner is spending, you know, half of their time on technology related matters, that might necessitate some bringing someone on early on, earlier on. Uh, there are other resources you can leverage out there in order to stay up to date on the technology, which might not have the same impact as a technology lead. And that's being part of a community. Uh, there's a number of different communities out there. I have a, a podcast episode uh, titled, uh, you know, my favorite six accounting communities to learn from. So, uh, you know, I list some free and paid communities uh, that modern accountants are a part of where they're all getting together and talking about what's working and what's not working. So there are some communities that you can join in the meantime. You know, not everybody can hire a full-time technology lead or a software engineer. I certainly understand that. Maybe tapping into a community would be a good idea in the meantime. If you don't have the full budget for it yet. Okay, great. If people are saying to themselves, I'm not sure if I have not enough technology or too much technology, and given either answer, what's the first step for them? Not enough technology or too much technology. Um, I think my first step would be the same either way is we have to look at what comes before the technology. And we use technology because we wanna be more efficient and we wanna liberate more of our time. And if we wanna do that, I think the bigger gain is gonna be on standardizing. So it brings me back to my answer before, like standardize who, standardize what, and standardize your processes. I always like to standardize the who part first. So really take a look at, let's develop an ideal client profile and let's just start accepting those kind of people into the firm. And to do that, what I like to do is just look at your top three to five clients and see what they have in common. See the ones that you do the best work for, that you like working with the best, that pay you the most, that who, who enjoy your kind of work the best, the ones you have the biggest wins for, Look at those three to five clients and see what they have in common. They might all be part of the same industry. They might not. That's totally fine. They probably have, they're probably the same kind of size. They probably have the same kind of challenges and pain points. They probably seek the same kind of outcomes. Let's develop a list of 10 to 15 bullet points of what those clients have in common to help us develop an ideal client profile to standardize what comes into the firm. That would be the first step. Okay. I love that. And listeners to this podcast will know that I'm a big proponent of narrowing down and niching. Like you say, either by industry, maybe not. Chances are good that it's by industry. It certainly makes life easier in a bunch of ways. But certainly when you build your business around the desired outcomes of your best clients, things get so much easier. So last question here. Where do you see all of this headed when it comes to technology and automation? It's interesting. I, I think uh, the industry has been predicting the downfall of the accountant for the last who knows how many years now. So I don't see that 
Uh, I don't really buy into all that doom and gloom. Certainly the technology is getting more sophisticated where more and more can be automated. Uh, I don't necessarily buy into you have to provide advisory services to be successful down the road, but you're certainly going to have to be a manager of technology and an expert of technology if you're going to be a compliance-focused firm. So yeah, there's no doubt that more and more uh, technology is doing uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning is, is doing more and more of the work when it comes to the compliance level and bookkeeping focus side of things. So uh, I just see that intensifying as the years, uh, the years go on. I think there'll be a, a place for accountants on the compliance side, a place for a accountants on the advisory side, but it will certainly, uh, you know, the way that we're performing our work is certainly shifting. And I look at technology and I think, why not have all the routine tasks automated so that you can get freed up to do more of what's valuable to your clients? Brian Lazanis, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. I really appreciate it, Geraldine. Thank you very much. Are you tired of feeling guilty about scrimping on time with your family, but can't seem to get your clients and all their demands off your back? The next time you feel broken about having to choose between Saturday soccer and sewing up a bunch of Schedule C's, stop what you're doing and head over to SheThinksBigCoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is SheThinksBigCoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down a 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.